In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. I don't know that there has ever been a time when it's more important for Christians to understand and be able to articulate the Christian faith clearly, reasonably, and with some grace. Let me say that again. I do not know a time when it has been more important for Christians to understand and be able to articulate the Christian faith with clarity, reasonableness, and with some amount of grace. And here's why. The past few weeks I've been uh, leading a rector's form on the bark of St. Bartholomew. Uh, if you have not been able to be at those, they're on the website if you'd like uh, to watch. But if you've been in that conversation, then none of what I am about to say will be new information to you. Between, in the 10 years, between 2008 and 2018, the Episcopal Church lost fully one quarter of its worshiping congregation. 64% of young adults are leaving the church. One-third of practicing Christians have walked away during the pandemic. For the first time in its eight decades of polling, Gallup reports that America's membership in houses of worship, whether it's a synagogue or a mosque or a church, has fallen below 50%. First time in 80 years. It fell to 47% in 2020 from 70% in 1999. And then as of March the 21st, just six weeks ago, however many weeks, uh, there are more nuns or people who tick the nun box under religion, there are more nuns in the U.S., 23.1%, than Roman Catholics at 23%, and Evangelicals at 22.5%. And this is a sermon, it's not a TED Talk. But I want you to know that I've got numbers for what I'm saying today, for my opening statement. I don't know that there has ever been a time when it's more important for Christians to understand and be able to articulate, explain their faith in a way that is clear, reasonable, and with grace. And the problem is this, that most of us are fairly ill-equipped for that task. So you ask a Christian, what, does the, you know, what is the incarnation? And you'll probably get Christmas. Ask a Christian, what is the Trinity? And you will likely get a decent, albeit almost always partially incoherent explanation of one God in three persons. But when we get to the ascension, all bets are off. So Jesus did what? There's a um, church uh, in England. We were there a few years ago uh, on a family trip. My family, my children will allow me one church every day of a trip. We were traveling. So on this day, I picked uh, the shrine of Our Lady of Walsingham. It's an 11th or 12th century church that was destroyed in the, in the, the reign of uh, King Henry. And it's just northwest of Norwich. And in, in the 20th century, the early 20th century, a rebuilt sanctuary went up, and in that sanctuary there's a little chapel off to the side 
called the Chapel of the Ascension, or the Ascension Chapel. And in that chapel is something called the Ceramic of Our Lord's Disappearing Feet. So I guess you would call this a statue, but it is affixed to the ceiling, and it's uh, right, above the, right above the altar in the chapel, right up on the ceiling, and what it shows is a cloud, uh, like a golden cloud with two feet dangling out of the cloud with nail prints in them, like shooting up through the top of the church. So Jesus did what? <laughs> we can regurgitate the creed that He ascended into heaven, sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. We can say all the words, but why did He ascend? What did it mean when He ascended, and why does it matter now? So Ascension Tide, which is the 10 days between the Feast of the Ascension last Thursday and Pentecost next Sunday, it's not just a convenient place in the church year for us to stick a party, although it is, but in an increasingly post-Christian, pluralistic, secular society, it is more important, I think, than ever for us to understand our faith and be able to articulate it. Maybe especially the ascension because of its centrality to our, to our faith and our wide-reaching implications. It's more important today to be able to do that than ever with clarity, reasonableness, and with some grace. So today I want to touch on three of these implications of the ascension, okay? So the doctrine of the ascension is that Jesus' feet are hanging out of the ceiling in Norfolk, uh, but it's why uh, Jesus ascended into heaven, and the three points are what, uh, why does ascension matter for your work, why it matters for our witness, and finally, why it matters for the world, work, witness, and world. First of all, the ascension and work. So Luke says uh, in Luke's gospel, he led them out as far as Bethany, lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he withdrew from them and was carried up into heaven. I think the most uh, problematic piece of equipment that I have for my job is also one of the most convenient, and it's this collar that I wear. Um, I cannot tell you how many times, especially when I lived, we lived in Boston, we walked everywhere we went. Um, I can't tell you how many times someone has stopped me and asked me to say a prayer for them. Uh, one guy even made a confession one time on a street corner. Uh, they, they have some theological pressing matter that they want to talk to someone about. They see the collar and go, oh, there's a priest. They bring you over. Uh, sometimes they'll buy you a beer, but usually they just bring you over and they'll uh, want to talk to you. So that is the upside of the collar. The downside of the collar is how it kind of promotes a creeping clericalism. This idea that, or the suspicion that the person with the collar is the minister and everyone else is secular. But if the ascension happened, that could not be farther from the truth. Because the ascension is not just about absence, it's also about presence. It's not just about where Jesus is not, it's also about where Jesus is. So listen to this. When the Son of God became flesh, 
He became fully human. Besides being vulnerable, subject to injury and death, he had the limitations of being confined to one place in time and space. But at the ascension, Jesus leaves the space-time continuum and passes into the presence of the Father. Any space-time limitation to his work passes away. You no longer have to go to a single geographical location in order to receive Jesus' ministry. He's still doing all the things that he did before, but now after the ascension, he's doing them with access to anyone in any place and all at once. The ascension doesn't mean the loss of his intimacy, his leadership, and his advocate, advocacy. It means the magnification an infinite availability of all of these, Jesus is now, from heaven, actively engaged in the continuation of his mediatorial work all across the globe. So here's my point. It's not about the collar. The priest's work is not more sacred than your work in the world. Just look at the collect that we prayed. God whose blessed Son ascended far above all heavens that He might fill all things, mercifully give us faith to perceive that He abides with His church, the, the whole church, the clergy, and the laity. He lives in all of us, so wherever you go, He goes. Whatever you do, He does. All of us loving our neighbors, serving the world, all in, for the sake and in the name of our ascended Lord. So that is ascension and work. But point two is ascension and witness. Now remember that the same author wrote Luke's gospel and Acts. So St. Luke wrote these two books. And he ends one volume of the story that we read today with a story about the ascension. And then he begins the second book that we read today with a story about the ascension, that's how important this is for Luke. So some his, from his gospel, he says, stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. And then in Acts, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, even to the ends of the earth. Two books, two ascension accounts, and two times Jesus is talking about the same thing, which is power. But not just any kind of power. It's power to be witnesses. Martyria, witnesses. So when Jesus ascended and left the earth, he didn't leave behind a, a body of literature that he had written. He left behind witnesses. And witnesses do not stay in one place. That's what makes them so good at their jobs. They go all over the place. They're always on the move. So what we do here in this place, at this altar, when we march around and uh, we, we sing together, we listen to beautiful music and we're, we tell our stories, we're fed by the bread from heaven which is on the altar, all of that happens. That's great. That's wonderful. But we cannot stay here. We're driven back out into the world because that's where witnesses go. The ascension means... That when we go out into our own Jerusalem, our own Judea, Samaria, even to the ends of the earth that we know, we go out not in our own strength, but in the power of the Holy Spirit to be the witnesses He calls us to be. 
So ascension and work, witness, and then the last point is the world. Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So what does the ascension mean for the world? We've talked about what it means for us. What about for the world? Well, in a word, I think the ascension means hope. This is my Easter sermon all over again. Easter means hope, and the message that we have as witnesses because of the ascension is hope, and here's why. Everybody longs for a better world. Everybody that I know looks at the news or uh, reads the paper, uh, goes online, whatever they do, they see the bad news that's going on in the world and they long for things to be better. But the ascension says that the good news that we believe as Christians and that we offer to the world in hope, the good news is that the bad news is not the end of the story. In fact, if you're suffering, if you're in bad news, it can't be the end of the story. Because the news that Jesus died, rose again, put the world to rights, also says that as he ascended, so he will come back bodily, physically, to finish the work. So whenever someone prays for an end to this pandemic, prays for a world that's more just, where hospitals have to close their doors, where love never dies, Anytime someone prays that prayer, Jesus is the answer to that prayer. He ascended into heaven, but that is not the end of the story because he will come again. And until he does, we will be his witnesses. And the power of the Spirit will go into a doubting world that needs to hear the hope that we have. Why do you stand gazing into heaven? The world is waiting. Go to work. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.